0: Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. Hard to remember that we're in the middle of a presidential election, but we are, despite all of the distractions from the coronavirus pandemic. And we were reminded yesterday when Bernie Sanders, a Democratic senator from Vermont, who has for a while now wanted to be the president of the United States, decided that he would call it quits in 2020 and withdraw from the campaign. This comes after a huge surge for Vice President Joe Biden in recent state contests. And if you can remember, before the pandemic took over our lives, Biden was really performing well in lots of these primaries after not having performed almost at all in the very early rounds he had built a lead that probably was insurmountable and that's probably why bernie sanders has decided to withdraw from the race but the question now is what does this mean for the election moving forward and will democrats be able to coalesce between now and november remember all of the arguments that were taking place about who would support the other candidates if their candidate didn't get through to the nomination. That's where we begin the conversation today. And joining us for uh, that conversation is Dave Weigel. He is a national reporter covering politics for the Washington Post and author of the Trailer Newsletter. Dave Weigel, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: So let's start with why Bernie Sanders chose now to make this decision.
1: Well, he was, I think, pretty blunt uh, in his statements yesterday. I talked to Stephanie at a public live stream for supporters saying just he did not feel comfortable continuing to ask people to volunteer for him and donate to him. One, because there was no path for him to win the nomination, uh, and then... Too, just because look where we're at. <laughs> look at where you and I are, are working, how we can move. In the, in the pandemic, now, he, he didn't write the pandemic off as an excuse for him to not, stop running, but he, he, this was from my reporting, uh, his entire thought process. that uh, He had a plan, it wasn't working, and um, as long as the country's going to be locked down, there was nothing happening to turn things around. He also was looking at Wisconsin, which had a very controversial election, um where there definitely are tens of thousands of people who wanted to vote but couldn't because of the pandemic conditions. Nonetheless, uh, all the evidence that the campaign saw was that they were going to lose badly, uh, and that was would have been the sixth state that he won against Hillary Clinton but lost to Joe Biden. That was pretty untenable.
0: Yeah. So, so uh, Sanders says he's going to continue to try to amass delegates in remaining states to have an influence on the platform when we get to the convention later in the summer. What exactly does that mean? Is he going to continue to ask people to vote for him? And if so, does that mean he'll continue to campaign just in a different way than he was before?
1: Uh, it's a good question because I think a lot of people heard him say that and said, what? Uh, <laughs> like how is he running but not running? He, right. the, pres- the president who's not paying the, the close attention to the primary even said, so what does this mean? Uh, so the Democrats have a different primary system, Republicans. Uh, there is no winner-take-all state, right? If you get at least 15% of the vote in some state, you're entitled to some delegates. Mm -hmm. And Sanders needs about 350 delegates. I'm saying about because some of these states, uh, like California, are still assigning delegates seeing who got the most in what what area. He needs about 350 to get uh, a quarter of all Democratic delegates. That's, you know, pledged delegates. That's the super delegates you hear so much about. And if he has those, then... Uh, on the party's rules, its platform, there'd be enough Bernie Sanders supporters to object to make amendments. Uh, to let's let's say the party passes a rule, there 25% of delegates would be enough to get the convention to vote on an alternative rule. So that's a little bit obscure, uh, hmm. and you, you might point to the irony of, of Sanders, who has never been a member of the Democratic Party caring so much about changing its rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's where he's been for quite a while. I mean, that was his goal after 2016. And, and I should note, he was successful. I mean, uh, this primary took place under rules that Sanders himself advocated for. Uh, for example, I go back to superdelegates. I think people know who they are. They're delegates who, like governors and party leaders and members of Congress, who can vote for whoever they want, no matter how the primaries go. Uh, and he got a rule in place that they don't get to vote on the nominee, they do have to go on the platform. That's why it's complicated. Uh, he got a rule in place about, uh, you know, caucuses being replaced by primaries. He got New York to change its registration policy. I mean, he basically got primary rules that he was comfortable with compared to last time, mm-hmm. and they want to keep those in place by having enough people to influence the party's platform.
0: Well, and that really uh, gets us to this question of how the, the relationship between these two candidates – Looks going forward, and of course, the relationship between their voters. Democrats, of course, want everybody to support the eventual nominee, which looks like it will be Joe Biden. Uh, If Bernie Sanders is still trying to get votes and trying to influence the platform, does that kind of confound the efforts to sew everybody together under? The same, the same tent or flag or whatever imagery you would, yeah. would want to use there. Is that, is that problematic for Joe Biden?
1: I think in one way it does, uh, in that there are 27 contests yet. I mean, there, there, might, there would have been less, but Georgia and Ohio and a number of states delayed their, their contests. Um, some of them are basically done. Like um, in Hawaii, people have been mail voting, and we're going to find out the results in a couple days of who won there. Uh, it's possible, for example, that Sanders, after quitting the campaign, might have won Hawaii because they're they've been voting for weeks. Uh, and so the 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 sense in which it hurts Biden narrowly is there'll be the the occasional headline that oh he uh, either Sanders won a primary or more likely um, let's look at look down the calendar at like Oregon mm-hmm. where Sanders did very well. Yeah, it's very possible that. Sanders is out of the race for a month. Um, he gets 20% of the vote in Oregon. And I think if I'm the Republican National Committee, I put out a press release making fun of how this guy was only able to you – know, how Biden is a weak nominee. He's only got 75 80% of the vote, et cetera. Uh, in context, uh, that's not unusual. When Sanders uh, – sorry, the, the president himself put away all his opponents in early May of 2016 – and there was another month with nine primaries and he never got more than 79% of the vote. There are some states where Trump, as the Republican nominee, was getting 65, 68%. Mm-hmm. No one <laughs> Like <laughs> I mean, people are going to go to the polls and some of these states also, like New York, um, like Maryland, or are, are, actually Maryland's, Maryland's a weird situation. so like I said, But like New York, the, the presidential primary is going to be the same day now as all the other stuff on the ballot, like members of Congress. Uh, and so... There's going to be people who show up and say, well, Biden's a nominee already, but I want to be counted for Sanders. Uh, On the the practical level, that is going to add to his delegate total to influence the platform. And then just kind of on the moral victory level, I mean, he's got a little bit less than 8 million votes now. He'd probably like to end with more than that. He is still going to fall really short of the support he had four years ago. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, My guest is Dave Weigel. He's a national reporter who covers politics for The Washington Post, also author of the trailer newsletter. We're talking about Bernie Sanders' decision to withdraw, at least officially, from the Democratic presidential contest here in 2020. Uh, We're talking about what goes on in the future here, what happens as we get into later primaries, what happens when we get to the conventions, and of course, what happens when we get to the fall and Democrats will try to remove uh, President Trump from office through the normal every four-year elections that we have. Uh, If you want to join the joint conversation, give us a call. Tell us how you feel about Bernie Sanders dropping out of the presidential race. Was this the right time for him to spend that campaign? We especially want to hear from you if you're a Bernie supporter. What do you plan to do now and in November? Are you going to support Joe Biden, if he's the nominee, over Donald Trump, or will you vote for Donald Trump uh, even though you were supporting Bernie Sanders, or will you just sit out the election, something I've heard from an awful lot of people uh, over the last couple of months. As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313 313- 577 Five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. It is nice in a way to be talking again about politics, which is kind of a normal subject on this show, a normal subject in our lives, and we do want to hear from you about How you feel about Bernie Sanders no longer being a contestant in the Democratic primary. But as always here right now on Detroit Today, we also just want to hear from you about how you're doing during this pandemic, during all of the changes that we're experiencing, uh, all of the fear, all of the loss that we're enduring, especially here in the Detroit area. Just give us a call. Let us know how things are going. Let us know how things are going with your work. If you own a small business, if you've been laid off from work, uh, I think it's really important, again, for us to be able to come together each day here, because we can't come together physically anywhere, uh, to be able to connect with each other and talk about what's happening. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's start with Mark in Redford Township. Mark, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, Stephen. I'm a frequent caller. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Hanging in there with this virus and everything, and
0: yeah, yes. I mean, we're all just trying to to manage, I think, and, and a- yeah. adjust to the new world, right?
2: Yeah, what I wanted to say was, um, I'm a Sanders supporter, or was, I guess you could say, at this point, mm-hmm. but I think we have to rally behind Biden now, even though I think he's part of the establishment. And uh, now more than ever, we need some kind of brand of socialism, too, because. You know, with this health care crisis and, and the disparity because of it, mm-hmm. um, now more than ever, we need to address the people's needs.
0: And, and Mark, are you confident that uh, former Vice President Biden will be able to do that? Are you confident that uh, he will push the country in a different direction, even if it's not all the way in the direction that Bernie Sanders wanted? Uh, are you confident that he'll do the kind of job that, that you could do? you could be proud of?
2: Well, this is kind of my my hope.
0: Mark, I think we lost you there. Uh, give us a call back if you want to finish your thought. I uh, appreciate the call, though, and the thoughts. Let's go to Mike in Chesterfield. Mike, welcome to the show.
2: Hey there. How are you guys today? Good. How are you? Doing fine. I just wanted to point out the importance of since now we have this um, election now between the two party candidates and they're highly polarizing, very unlikable candidates. Now is the time to realize you do not shame people in this election. You do not criticize anyone for saying I'm not voting or I'm voting third party or I'm writing in someone or I'm voting for the other one. This, especially after this crisis we're going through, we can't afford to um, break friendships or lose, uh, you know, through family squabbles over these horrendous politicians.
1: Hmm. We, we
2: literally cannot handle that anymore. And it's vitally important that we do not make this a binary choice in this election. If it happens, it happens. But it's, it's downright sickening. You know, we had to go through it the last time. Now we're back again. And it's between the Democrat and the Republican. Nobody wants this. Yeah. and yet here it is. Uh,
0: Mike, I really I really appreciate the call and and your perspective on this. Uh, Dave Weigel, I wonder what you make of the fact that so four years ago, when Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders went pretty much down to the wire in their contest, their primary, uh, you know, they weren't friends. These were not people who who had much of a relationship. That's really different with Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, uh, who have known each other for a long time and describe each other as friends. I, I wonder if you think that makes it easier to do what Mike is suggesting, which is to to kind of bring everyone together without the kind of animosity or blame that we saw in 2016. Uh,
1: well, to start with, uh, I challenge his premise uh, on the satisfaction the country has about the choice. Uh, it is true, actually, that last time in, in modern primaries, and we haven't been doing as many polls as we do these days mm-hmm. for, for longer than a couple of decades. In modern primaries, the last time, those were two candidates who had the highest um, negative numbers of anybody in history. That's not the case this time. Uh, Trump remains the most unpopular president, seeking re-election since Jimmy Carter. Uh, Biden's about 50-50, there, and he, at, at points, has been much higher, as Hillary was. But one thing that uh, i think people in 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 the sanders movement uh admitted and some a, th- a thing that republicans admit certainly a reason why they try to bring down biden is that just they he has not been i think tenderized by 30 years of ne- of negative coverage mm-hmm. uh, and frankly for uh, if you see if you've seen a red eye claudius it reminds me a little bit of that it's just that he <laughs> he was somebody who was close to power that people didn't take very seriously for a very long time i mean i actually have a Old cover in Newsweek from when he was vice president's first term, and the premise was the cover was Joe's no joke. The premise being, yeah, uh, eh, this is the goofy guy who's not going to be president soon. It happens. My point being that he's been fairly well liked. Uh, I think he got more scar tissue in this campaign, but mostly from the left. Uh, even the the Trump campaign has spent, um, spent with some with some risks and downsides like like impeachment. Spent a lot of time trying to portray him as corrupt because of. Um, but because his, his his son Hunter's mm-hmm. uh, job in Ukraine and kind of hand-waving away <laughs> the Trump kids getting rich as their, as their father's president, right? Mm-hmm. But they've been trying to find a way to turn Biden as, into as unacceptable a character as Hillary, and that is, uh, that is hard to do uh, over a few months compared to over 30 years. One thing Sanders learned in the primary, frankly, was that – and Michigan's a great example – Uh, and, and Michigan psychologically, I think was devastating to Sanders when he, when he lost it because the, uh, it turned out and it was kind of clear at the time, but you know, how do you, how can you tell? It turned out that a lot of the votes for Sanders in 2016 were people who didn't really agree with him, but really hated Hillary Clinton and, um, and wanted to make a statement against her without that anger, uh, Biden was doing incredibly well. Biden, her turnout was higher in Michigan in 2020 than it was in 2016, and Sanders improved his votes by a few. Um, Biden improved hundreds of thousands of votes over Hillary. He just is, does not, there's not the same opprobrium. And on the left, even, um, it goes back, back and forth. I mean, I think a lot of people spun themselves on the left into hating Biden, uh, you know, going back to the Anita Hill hearings, to the crime bill, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Some of that was warning that it would be tough for him to, to beat Trump. Some of it, I think, some that some I don't doubt is sincere. Um, but at the same time, He does not have Clinton's long network, uh, gigantic kind of uh, group of allies. And one thing some people on the left are optimistic about is Biden has been pretty amenable to uh, changing his positions, adopting new positions. Now, Biden's personality is such that he he claims he never does this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he'll, he'll, for example, take a lot of credit for coming out for gay marriage. Um, And that was after he voted for Defense Marriage Act, all that. He tends to get a little bit uh, huffy if you say he's not been a progressive, but he always defaults to taking what he thinks is the progressive uh, position. Not always, but in the last 10 years as vice president. Um, So there's a lot of optimism that he can be pressured in a way people worried Hillary Clinton couldn't be. I mean, Clinton just had – and Clinton and and Biden both had a little bit of this attitude, but Clinton was far harder to move than Biden was, and uh, the – Issues that people were aware are aware of now of, of people under 40 not being excited by Biden. I um, think it's fair to say even people who are uh, under 40 who are going to vote for him are not super excited. Yeah. The, the campaign's aware of that and it's adapting more than Hillary did. The, the the Sanders sorry the Biden strategy is kind of the Hillary strategy from last time of getting a lot of frustrated moderates and former Republicans to to vote to reject Trump and vote for him. Uh, but on top of that, there is I think, more of a offer to progressives on how they're going to deliver. Uh, the health care fight, I think, is one you're going to hear a lot about because mm-hmm. there were candidates who co-sponsored Sanders' Medicare for All bill, um, even if they didn't agree with every single part of it. Biden ran against Medicare for All, and a lot of people will point out his health care plan doesn't cover every single person. It would leave a few million people uncovered. At the same time, he's been changing that. He's been adopting a different student, uh, student debt policies, abortion policies. He's been pretty movable. Uh, now you can move too far and be, uh, accused of flip-flopping or being, uh, insincere for, again, for some reason, Biden has not really been hit by that the way the other nominees have been. Yeah. And the pandemic is changing things in ways that are hard to predict. It just, it is taking up time. Um, one that otherwise might be spent on the campaign. Uh, and two, that's making it impossible to have big rallies, big organizing. In some ways, that hurts the Democrats. Uh, in in others, it really does hurt the president because the the, the president's premise was that he was going to have rallies with ten thousand, twenty thousand people around the country, nonstop, and sign up sign up new volunteers and voters. He can't do it. Whereas uh, Biden's, I think, more comfortable in a front porch campaign setting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, thanks for the call and uh, the comments. Let's go to Lauren in Ann Arbor. Lauren, what's on your mind?
3: Well, I think this whole discussion needs to take a big step back. Um, I am a Bernie supporter. I have been since I've known about him when he was mayor of Burlington. A family friend worked for him in Burlington, Mm -hmm. and he's been representing the same issues that I have for my entire adult life. But the whole idea that Bernie supporters are going to vote Trump and that kind of stuff, that's that's a media creation. That's not a reality. I've never met a single Bernie supporter who would do such a thing. Mm. My concern is that Bernie just gave away his podium, and he was the only one addressing the issues that are at the forefront of our minds on the national level. Um, Medicare for All now has a 55-plus percent approval rating among all Americans, Mm -hmm. not Democratic Right. Of voters, not progressives, all of us. The whole link between employment and health care now is uh, is obviously um, a non-starter. The World Health Organization is saying that single-payer universal health care is right. a necessity. And also the whole argument, how are we going to pay for it, is clearly uh, un, a dead dog at this point because we managed to pull trillions out of a hat to make Wall Street we
0: whole sure did, and yeah. to, to
3: save the banks and the insurance companies and so forth. But my other point is, uh, Lauren, I've got to, Bernie- I've,
0: Lauren, I've got to cut you off because we're going to run out of time. And I do want Dave Weigel to to respond to what you just said. This idea of where the healthcare conversation goes because of Bernie, I think is really interesting. We've got about a minute left, Dave, but I want to have you address that.
1: Well, no, she, she makes an interesting point, And I think that's, uh, that's why there's been so much frustration. Um, it's easy for Sanders supporters to imagine the, this moment, which they couldn't have predicted, uh, clarifying why he, his agenda was correct. I would just add, you could talk to Sanders, uh, Elizabeth Warren supporters, and they'd say the same thing. All the people, you know, she had coronavirus plan actually much before Sanders did in mm-hmm. January. This would have been her moment. Uh, I would just point to what Biden's actually been doing in these online forums he's holding. Uh, he had one yesterday focusing on the disparate effects of the of the pandemic on black and brown communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one thing I've noticed, there, there's some Sanders supporters I think are already gone on board, and some who just write, don't even pay attention to what Biden's saying. Um, and often the way they see him is, There'll be some video from Republicans that clips the five seconds where he trips over a word. Right. If you actually okay. look at the content of Biden, he has been uh, moving more in Sanders' direction, but it's absolutely understandable. If if you looked at Sanders' agenda and thought, what is the moment the country gets behind it? That's It's so heartbreaking to you right now. Is The context of this, this pandemic was validating a lot of what Sanders ran on, and he's no longer running to take advantage of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Dave Weigel, national reporter for the Washington Post and author of the trailer newsletter. Really great to have you with us for this conversation. Thanks. Thank you. Up next, we're gonna talk with Dr. Mona Hanna-Attisha, the Flint pediatrician who raised alarms about lead levels in children during the Flint water crisis. She is one of the thousands of people in Michigan who has contracted the COVID-19 virus. She's gonna join me next to talk about living with that virus and her road to recovery. Stay with us on Detroit Today.